I think, I mean, one of the most important thing is that actual citizens will, will learn about urban planning or city designing, so they will be able to, to influence those decisions and not just accept them as uh, coming from, from above. I want to be my current self from this point forward. I want to learn how to play piano. Working with human beings. Drinking wine in the middle of the day. I want to be a Driver. I'm going to be the next greatest painter. Just kind of work with kids, getting them ahead in life. I want to be a welder. I want to be a beach bum. I want to be a baseball player. Brewmaster. A winemaker. Professional snuggler. Let me mention those sweet, hot lavender baths and writing in the evening. What's up, everybody? I'm Blake Fletcher, and this is the Half Hour Intern Podcast, where we explore the interesting paths that people take in life. And in today's episode, we explore the path of being an urban planner. If you'd like to support episodes like this being made, please check out my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash half hour intern. And if you are one of the next two people to contribute on the Patreon page, you will actually be entered in a raffle to win one of two free half hour intern t-shirts. And on that note, anyone that gives at the $5 or above per episode level will be entered in a monthly raffle to win a t-shirt. And we just finished up the first month of the Patreon being open. And so the first monthly winner is Janelle Swanson. So Janelle, you will be uh, getting a shirt in the mail here very soon from uh, from yours truly. So on to today's episode. If you guys have ever wondered like how it is that your city or neighborhood or whatever it is got designed the way that it is, it's all thanks to urban planners and urban planning. So I have Lior on the show who lives in the Netherlands, who is from Israel, and he has a very interesting and awesome perspective on urban planning because the city that he does urban planning for in the Netherlands is called Groningen, and it, which is <laughs> probably not the correct way to pronounce it. You'll hear him say it in the episode. He says it much more properly than I do. But in Groningen, the majority of the traffic on streets is from bicycles. In general, the Netherlands is, is known for being such a bicycle-friendly place, but Groningen is the single most bicycle-friendly city in the Netherlands. Um, there are entire areas of the city that can only be accessed by bicycle, um, and it just looks like an absolutely beautiful and amazing place. So we get to talk a lot about that and the benefits of building a city around pedestrians and cyclists, whether or not you can kind of retrofit the way a city already is to be more bicycle and pedestrian friendly. And then just all kinds of other things relating to to any city or neighborhood that we could be living in that that urban planners impact and how it is that they are impacting these things. So without further ado, here is Urban Planner. Hey, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, man. I know you and I were talking and you said that there's lots of different types of urban planners and urban planning that you can go into. It's not just like, oh, I'm an urban planner. So why don't you tell us about some of the different types of urban planning that there are? So, um, there are many people who plan uh, cities uh, or places, may them be urban or rural places. And many times it's those decision makers, the people who sit in the, in the, in the municipality that, or in the government that make those decisions about where roads go, where... You should put sidewalks, how you deal with water, uh, where you should build new neighborhoods, how tall buildings can be. And all those decisions are part of a big thing called urban planning. But of course, nobody can be expert in all of those. So I know some urban planners that are uh, dealing a lot with um, gentrification and segregation of communities, or they are more about the social impact of planning. And there are planners that are into mobility or public transport. 
where buses should go in the city. And that goes a little bit into traffic engineering. So urban planning, basically, there, there are many many niche, niches that you can go into. And in those, as, yeah, in those topics, you get to interact with other people that also that also have some say. That's really cool. It, so, it sounds like there's probably a very broad range for, uh, of urban planners, that is, especially like a large city. Like, like I live in San Francisco, and <laughs> it's, I mean, no offense to everyone else, it's probably the greatest city in the whole world. And it's, it, it's, there, there's so much like awesome stuff happening in this city and it, in terms of like arts and culture and this and that. And it's just a really fun place to live. And I imagine that urban planners touch on a lot of those things that make this a fun, like artistic place to live. But then there's, like you said, about uh, where should we build new things? Where should we be allowed to build new things? How tall should those things be? So it's like you have urban planners that are, are basically like full on engineers um, and have like an engineering type of mindset that then span all the way to people who are completely, let's say, like creative and artistic types of people. Um, and, and like and everyone in between and, and like whatever um, type of person you are, if you're more like an engineer type of person or a more creative type of person, there's there could be a fit for you um, as an urban planner. Does that sound right or did I just like make all that up? Yeah, so you're completely right. I mean, uh, urban planners can be dealing with things that are super technical, um, dealing with building codes and uh, angles of buildings and uh, how uh, wide sidewalks should be in terms of, uh, yeah, and, and how deep they should be. And it's almost engineering in in one way. And, on the other end, some planners can can just uh, focus on connecting communities and uh, connecting um, um, creative people into neighborhoods and improving neighborhoods, which is more they're more into um, program uh, making programs for neighborhoods and not uh, actually planning uh, physical infrastructure. So let's talk about your interest then and what you're into. Um, you obviously told me a little bit about it. Why don't you tell everyone about it? Uh, what your specialty is, what you'd like to work on. So, I mean, I was always fascinated with, um, mobility, especially green mobility. So cycling and, uh, pedestrians. And, and that's the reason I went to study urban planning and I moved between a few countries and ended up here in, in the Netherlands. And the first few gigs that I got as an urban planner were to plan uh, playgrounds. So currently, my main interest is to find out how to create places that are great for children, of course, but also interesting to other groups, uh, to the parents, but also to just young uh, young people who want to hang out. Uh, I don't like those playgrounds that are only for children and their parents. It has to be a little bit more interesting uh, place. So that's currently my... (laughs) Yeah, now's a good timing for you because, and and, you know, I saw pictures of of the the big park that you worked on in the city that you're in. I mean, and and it looks like this is, is, I don't know if this is something you were thinking about or if it's just something that happened, but now I, I, I feel like now's a good time for you because there's a little bit of a rise in people doing uh, like calisthenics and body weight training yeah. and stuff like that. So 
a lot of children's like quote unquote children's playground equipment is really good for people to exercise as well. You know, like if if adults want to go there at six in the morning and they got their pull up bars and they got dip bars and they can do all these different things, it's uh, the perfect spot for everyone. Exactly, and uh, and if if you design the playground in in a way that is not too childish. It first makes it a little bit more interesting to children because they are always used to the same kind of standard playgrounds. And it also makes it, uh, well, acceptable for adults to enter and um, do sport without looking too, too creepy. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and another reason for doing it is when you play, plan the playground, uh, which is, is wor- working fine and children are playing in it, you have in the place people between, I don't know, 12 noon and early evening. But what happens all the other time, like you said, 6 a.m. or at night? I mean, those those playgrounds are normally empty in the best case or uh, attracting um, people who want to yeah, drink alcohol or do drugs or whatever. So you, you need to create places that are not uh, only for one purpose. They can... Yeah, they can uh, host a variety of people from a variety of ages. Yeah, man. You got to be able to drink a beer while you're working out. That's like the yeah. ideal. <laughs> well, that's San Francisco, no? <laughs> yeah, that's how we do it here. That's how everyone, that's yeah. 100% of the city. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, one of the things that you mentioned to me in your email was that you you really think about designing a city for the people and from the perspective of walkers and cyclists and how is like an everyday person going to experience the city in the more old school philosophy and but i assume still very much a a whole section of urban planning needs to be built around cars it needs to be built around let's say buildings or uh, building code or this or that you know like things that are much more um technical do, is there any is there sort of like a butting heads between urban planners within a city where there's urban planners like you that really want to look at things from the perspective of of people is the main subject in like this this city ne- needs to be a reflection of these people and these people need to be able to experience everything in the city in its fullest and then other people uh, other urban planners who are just like look like this city just needs to function really well and if we build a good city, then I'm sure the people will enjoy it. Or you know what I'm saying? Like the different camps between people that are focused more on the city and people that are focused more on the people. Yeah. Well, I think your questions have as two parts. So the first one would be: Do professionals actually want to listen to the people? Uh, no matter if they're pro cars or pro cyclists or pro pedestrians or whatever, do they? really want to listen to professionals and i i think that um planners or engineers or architects they really like to believe that they know the truth and that they learn they learned it they have enough experience to know what people want but uh there are also a lot and i think the majority of them once they they hear a a critique they they might understand it well they don't really don't really know it all they cannot think about all the all the things that citizens need in the city and so i think in that end um yeah there there are there are planners that think that yeah they got the attitude of they know all and they don't want to listen and then regarding the old school i i would say that 
old school urban planning would be uh, pedestrian friendly because that's how we built cities for centuries. Uh, we got the cars only recently, uh, around one one hundred years ago, yeah, and that's when we point. that's when we started to plan cities around cars. And that's actually the funny the funny part. If you live in a city like San Francisco or any other big city in Europe or or the U.S., you might think that cars have been here always. It would be impossible to imagine a city without cars. Yeah. And actually, in the last decades, we see a movement to, well, return to more dense cities in which we don't need to use the car to drive to other places, to, to, in which we don't need cars to, to go around the city. And we can bike or, or even walk. And decision makers and planners and architects, they play a really big role in this uh, in those daily decisions of people. I mean, if you plan malls outside the city, of course people will have to, to use the car together. And if you make sure that there are a lot of small shops around around the city, you you will get uh, people actually cycle or walk to the shops. So, so let's ta- let's tell people really quickly about the city that you're in right now, if they're not too familiar with it, because it's a really amazing <laughs> place. So it, it's is it called? Uh, how did you pronounce it? Because I'm going to butcher it, but I would call it like Groningen, but that's clearly not. Correct. Yeah, I mean that's how you write it uh, with two G's, and the name is Groningen. Because <laughs> the Dutch, there you uh, go. Yeah, yeah, that sounds much better. And, and being Israeli, probably I also don't pronounce it 100 right, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's a city located around in the north of the Netherlands, around 200 kilometers. Oh, you don't use kilometers, right? That's all right. Uh, we can figure it out. <laughs> but it's it's around two hours uh, to the north. Um, so it's located really by the co- the north the north coast of the Netherlands, and it's a it's a student town of around 200,000 residents. The region is quite bigger; it's half a million residents, and yeah, basically the city is is just Google it when you listen to this podcast because it's it is a paradise for for cyclists and pedestrians. You, I think, sixty percent of the of the trips in the city are made by the bicycle. So you can literally look at the street and see no cars for uh, ten or twenty minutes, and then you will have one car passing, and after it, thousands of bicycles. That's so cool. It's got to make like sitting outside at a cafe just so nice. And just it, I like it. I'm so jealous. Like when when you and I first got on Skype, I was trying to like look out your window and, and like see what it looks like out there. I imagine it's so nice to eat at a restaurant there or yeah, like just work at a cafe. Yeah, you you do have still streets with uh, which are quite busy with cars and then you you would go to the city center which is almost car free and you find yourself First of all, breathing better air. Uh, you don't need to shout to your friend because you just have cyclists and pedestrians around you. And 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 also, you, you, you can just look at pictures from the city from 40 years ago and see that it was exactly like every North American city with a lot of cars, a lot of uh, traffic. Uh, the, the city center wasn't home to too many cafes because people didn't want to stay there. 
So uh, this is something that I'm really happy that you brought up is that this city was not always like this. This is something that happened in like the 60s and 70s. So is there any benefit to like if you could build a city from the ground up as just a walking and cycling city for the most part with like a little bit of room for cars versus what happened in Groningen? like you know retrofitting a city or changing the setup of a city to be like that is there any benefit from building a city with these ideas like from the ground up or or can you pretty much like retrofit a city to do anything like you as long as you come up with the idea like yeah if we if we want it to be mainly bikes here in san francisco we could do that in the next few years well you let's say let's take for example san francisco and los angeles which have very different uh, urban topography. One is uh, much more dense, uh, San Francisco. Uh, it much more resembles uh, old European city with uh, not that the streets are not so uh, wide and the buildings are not too tall. And then you got Los Angeles, which is really built around highways and uh, huge amounts of tra- of traffic and. Of course, it would be much harder to to change to change Los, Los Angeles. In San Francisco, you have much better bones to to work on. Uh, yeah, I guess it's your point about that we had to retrofit these cities for for cars. Like it's you know, San Francisco was around before cars were around. I yeah. mean, most of Los Angeles was built out after cars were around. Ex- so exactly, they, they so- were thinking about that when they made the city. Exactly, and, uh, and Groningen was or to that. Uh, I would say that most of the big cities in Netherlands or in uh, Western Europe were built bef- much before the cars were invented. So there, there are, yeah. But uh, after the car was introduced, many cities ruined uh, streets. They um, changed the layout of uh, of neighborhoods to fit a car, and it, it, it's not such an easy task to to bring the bicycles and the pedestrians back. Uh, and of course, you have the political um, fight between the car supporters and the and the yeah livable cities uh, advocates. I think what you guys have done is just such a phenomenal idea. It's not like oh, if you have a car, you just you you got no place in this city and you got to get out of here. But to say like, that, hey, this area of the city is basically like only bike lanes. And then these other areas of the city, we have some car lanes. So if you need to get from one end of the city to the other, there's, you know, these are the roads that you have to drive on. Um, that's just awesome. Like, it's it's just yeah. really, really awesome. I guess the thing that makes that hard for a place like a, a San Francisco or a New York or a Chicago or, or a Paris or a London or, you know, like a, a much bigger city is there's a lot of people that commute to that city to work. Um, it's not like it's just the people that live here that are needing these roads. Um, there's tons of people driving from out of the city that, that obviously need a car because they need to get, get to the, they can't ride their bike from, you know, 40 miles away um, to get to the city. So they're going to drive their car in. And I guess maybe you need the extra roads for people like that. Well, you also, you, here have a lot of commuters coming from outside, but also in Amsterdam, which is a much bigger city. And then you have all those park and rides uh, um, facilities in which you you park a little bit outside the city, but you cannot enter the city with your with your private car. You would need to take a, a bus or rent a bicycle for the day. 
and of course you have great public transport uh, in many in many cities so in uh, you can b- work in Netherlands and live uh, one hour away but use the use the train to enter the city and then once you're inside the city you can use the bike that you that you park by the train station every day and cycle around and I know many people who do it so yeah actually sure. man I'm, I'm sold now this sounds awesome <laughs> and, and I think that you live actually in one of the better cities in North America uh, for Uh, cycling no or oh yeah yeah for <laughs> sure no yeah there's um there's a main road right by my house um called Folsom Street and they do this thing on Folsom that's great um called like the green mile or something like that and it's an area that connects the southern part of the city with basically downtown and on this whole like green green mile area hey there's like a big fat bike lane like just absolutely huge like the same size as the lane for cars but um They time every every single stoplight on the entire road for this very large section, like well over a mile um, to uh, the speed that a cyclist would go. I think it, I, I think it's timed to like if you were going 12 miles per hour or something, which yeah. is like the average speed of a bicycle. So if you're in a car, it's such a pain in the ass to drive on that road because you end up hitting every single red light because you're driving way <laughs> too fast in a car. But you, the, you see the people on the, on the bicycles to the side of you and they never have to use their brakes once. They just keep riding and riding and riding and riding and riding because every single light turns green for them. And I mean, things like that alone are, are so, so great for cyclists. Yeah, that's just great. I mean, those green wave uh, facilities uh, or programs for cyclists are, I think they also work pretty well in Copenhagen. Uh, yeah, it, it, they just help uh, daily commuters from outside the city make the choice to, to pick the, the bicycle rather than, than using the car to enter the city. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the whole thing, right? Is it's not that people are that partial to their cars. I mean, maybe some people are, but a lot of people, it's just whatever's more convenient. And as long as you as a city can find ways to keep on putting, stacking things in the favor of making um, walking and cycling more and more convenient, then more and more people will choose to do that. Exactly. I couldn't say it better. Yeah. And so these you are just... the things that you're trying to do as an urban planner, basically, to bring, to bring it back to you and what you do. These are the things that you guys are trying to help is to make it more convenient for people. Yeah, at least here, what I see around me in the Netherlands, this is for tens of years, the, the main concern of, uh, of planners. It's uh, mainly how to restrict uh, the access of cars to city centers or to urban areas and allow... pedestrian cyclist and of course public transport is also important because not everybody can cycle a uh, half an hour each direction some people cannot do it and they they should be able to use pub- public transport and of course some people might be using the cars but when you don't have so many cars around it's actually not such a terrible experience to to drive around the city and yeah and get wherever you want yeah definitely man so why don't you tell us about some of the benefits of building a city around walkers and cyclists versus building a city around cars like first of all the benefits from your point of view as a as an urban planner and then you know just the benefits that any sort of uh citizen would be able to realize and and i guess try to try to think of more of the things that we wouldn't think of off the bat like obviously you mentioned breathing cleaner air um you know maybe less time in traffic stuff like that but well, yeah what are some benefits that you get to realize is is like an urban planner if uh if the city is is really focused on walking and cycling yeah so i i grew up in 
Tel Aviv, which is uh, also a great uh, city in, in in Israel. And over there, you you pretty much have to to use the car to to cross the city. And I found myself driving the car quite a lot uh, to work and to uh, yeah, even if I wanted to go out with friends, I, I had to someone had to bring a car. And when I moved to to Groningen, I, I started to cycle, and I, I just realized that I became a happier person. I mean, I I have time to to listen to podcasts on my on my head, my headphones while cycling. I see people, I see other uh, pedestrians' uh, faces. Uh, you create eye contact with people in the morning. It just makes you happier. And also, you start your day or uh, you start your day with uh, exercise, and you don't feel that you sacrifice too much um, if you live in in cities that are not bike friendly only the really people that are really into cycling would do it and then you would see them wearing all the all the gear and the special uh, cycling uh, outfit and they will have to take a shower when they get to work because they really they really spend a lot of energy trying to 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 get away around the city but yeah, if, if very it's, good point. If, yeah, if it's something normal in a city, like like in many Dutch cities or Denmark, Danish cities, or even now, I, I know that some Canadian cities and American cities are are going for that. It's just a normal thing. You would do it. You do it without even thinking about it. It's just no brainer. So I just became. I think it it made my commutes much better. Another thing that I I would say as a as a planner or someone that thinks a lot about cities, uh, is that. Um, Bicycle is probably the, the ultimate uh, equalizer in a city in terms of social uh, status. And uh, when when you, you must use a car to get to the city center, some people are just stay behind or they don't get to do it as much as they can. But when you live in a place where it's accessible by, by bicycle, basically you just need to spend like $30 to, to buy a bicycle that can function and you just you can bring yourself wherever you want it i, I see it as much more democratic uh, way to live to live in a city totally you don't need to yeah and there's something and, to what you just said about the equalizer part it, it's interesting because it, the first thing that popped into my head when you said that is like oh well there are certain like really cool bikes that are thousands of dollars that then it'd be like oh well, who has the really cool bike but it's interesting what happens with bikes, and and I have a uh, uh, two motorcycles, and, and and motorcycles are very much the same way, and like the motorcycle community, in that having a nice expensive motorcycle or having a nice expensive bike is cool and everything, but it's no more cool than having like a cheap shitty motorcycle or a cheap shitty bicycle, like. When when somebody pulls up with like this cheap shitty motorcycle that they work on a lot and stuff it's equally a talking point. It's like, oh, hey, there's like this cool thing that this person's using. It's not like, versus if somebody pulls up in like a cheap, shitty car, I don't know, <laughs> like there's nothing really cool about that. <laughs> you know, It's not like, yeah, oh, I mean, hey, <laughs> cool for you. You're driving like a 1982 Toyota Corolla. That's awesome. But if someone's riding around some like 1982 crummy bicycle that they're like managing to get to work still and they're putting a lot of work into this bike to get it to run properly... Um, you're like happy for them, and it's yeah, it's still like this cool point of pride in and of itself. Yeah, and and um, also is as part of the equalizer part. Why should people buy those very expensive fixie bikes just to to be able to go around the cities? Yeah, if 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 your bicycle infrastructure in 
is good enough or and uh, the lanes are wide enough and the and the traffic lights are working like like you said in Los Angeles you can use really 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 cheap bikes I mean I think my my first bike that I bought when I moved here was around 20 euros which would be probably like 22 dollars or something and they would just work perfectly and um I think I read in a book by an American that moved to Amsterdam. I think the name of the book was In the City of Bikes by Pete Jordan. Uh, Pete, uh, when he moved to, to, to Amsterdam, he, was, he saw so many bikes, but uh, he realized that even managers or politicians are cycling very, very poor bikes. But as long as it works, it works. Yeah. So I, I, I even see some... Uh, ministers cycling with with really old bikes and it just it's completely fine that's awesome man um so all right let's try to move away because so far it, which i love and i'm and now i like really want to go out and ride my bike uh <laughs> so far this episode has just been like a huge love letter to bicycles so let's talk a little bit more about <laughs> urban planning and what uh what you do as an urban planner so you, Lior, are a consultant. You don't work for the city. Talk about the differences there in terms of, uh, I guess, first of all, like the choice to be a consultant versus working for the city and the, the just the career paths for someone that was going to be a, an urban planner. Yeah, so uh, as I said before, I'm, I'm not, uh, because I'm not Dutch, also my Dutch is not very good. So when I finished my studies, uh, I just decided that, I couldn't get a job at the uh, at the local government in the Netherlands because I don't speak I didn't speak Dutch and I had my kind of platform my blog with a with a friend with Sasha Benes uh, which I started um, and we just decided that yeah we might just try to do some projects to different municipalities around the world I mean we both lived in few countries and. We had uh, we speak different languages, so we felt that we can share our our experiences from living in different cities around around Europe. And yeah, that's how it started. And I, when I got my first project, since then it just kept rolling. So uh, I got my first project that came out of being an intern at the at the, the local municipality, and from from there it just rolled on. So. Now I don't see a reason to to be a, to be an employee because I I get to work in different places on different projects and of course I don't not. have a boss. Yeah, and theoretically <laughs> the pay should be able to be better. What is the pay like if you if you know what is the pay like for an employee of the city? I'm sure it's not like fantastic as an urban planner. And then what is the? I imagine you get do you get paid hourly or do you get paid per project? Yeah, so you I know. So, regarding a normal worker at the municipality, so it, in the Netherlands, I, I would say if you're a real starter, you would start with, uh, and you have only a bachelor degree, you would probably get around 2,000 euros a month, which is 2,200 US dollars. Yeah. So, like, thir- like $30,000 a year. Yeah. Yeah, even less, right? 25 or something. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> my math is not so good. But, uh, um, I think that uh, well, and Netherlands is much cheaper than San Francisco. You also need to remember that. Um, and 
as a freelancer, I mainly work per hour and I make much more money per hour. But of course, I cannot fill up all my hours with work. So I end up doing probably better than I would have done. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that better than I would have done as a as an employee, employee. But of course, I also need to deal with running the company. And <laughs> yeah, the times when a, you don't have a project going, just like freaking out, like, God, when am I going to get my next project? Exactly. A lot, a lot, a lot about having your own, your own company or, or being a freelancer is in this field is basically marketing or finding, finding more projects. And, and suddenly you get requests for two projects at the same time and you can just cannot do it. So it's always, it's always either not enough or too much, but yeah. it's great. <laughs> yeah. Cool, man. Lior, let's talk about where this all goes in the future. So, first of all, is there a future for like tech and urban planning to kind of coexist? I, I read an article that you sent me that talked about traffic light, and this is something that I guess Groningen is going to be doing here soon. That having traffic lights with rain sensors in them to uh, give quicker priority to cyclists on like a wet day um, when it's raining. Um, and having like heated cycle paths so that way the cyclists won't slip when there's frost. Um, I guess talk about other ways that that you think the future and and technology is going to impact urban planning. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm sure that the self-driving cars will have a big effect. I, I'm not sure what I, I think about it. I, I don't know if it will we will end up having much more cars on our streets, but uh, you can already see that some cities are going through approving self-driving cars um, so this is a big change and another change is the the sharing economy uh, services like uber or airbnb that's really changed the way our cities are functioning i mean uh, a lot of apartments are empty now because uh, they are only used for uh, renting uh, to to tourists using airbnb and it's changing the way um, we we need to to plan facilities in the cities, and I mean, if if a neighborhood is is uh, only home to Airbnb apartments, then schools are empty in the neighborhood, and the facilities you need to to provide to that neighborhood are much different. And yeah. it's all things that the planners and decision makers need to think about. Yeah, good point, man. So, Lior, let's wind this thing down and uh, let's talk about a couple things here. One is, what what do you think the coolest city that you've ever been to is and why? And obviously, we're going to exclude Groningen from this list because you obviously thought that place was so cool that you wanted to move there yeah. so you could work there. So, um, not including Groningen, what's the coolest place you've ever been to and why? And not including San Francisco, which I also think is great, but you live there, so oh. we want to. <laughs> uh, I love that you said that, though. That is so great. <laughs> Um, well, I probably coolest city would be Berlin just because it, it is really cool. I, I lived there for one year and, uh, I love visiting there. I'm, I'm probably visiting there every few months. And, um, yeah, another cool city that I just lately discovered is Warsaw in Poland, uh, which is just, I mean, there's the people there are so nice and there is so much space because it's, uh, it's a, I mean, old uh, Soviet uh, country, and the the streets are so wide, so there is so much space to to innovation, to cool cafes, and uh, and uh, 
creative places. So the, the, those are probably the, my two favorite lately. But it, it's changing all the time. Dude, that's awesome. I've never heard someone mention Warsaw. I will um, definitely have to try to visit one day. That sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it, is, it is upcoming. And some people call it the New Berlin. So Cool. Sure. <laughs> All right, Lior, let's finish this thing off with uh, what are things that if we're walking around our own cities or our own towns that we live in, things that we can kind of like notice or keep an eye out for in terms of things that someone like you probably had their hands on in in making those decisions? So probably if you walk in in city centers and you would uh, and uh, just look at how, the way the, the the street is divided, how wide is the the road and the sidewalk, and is there a bicycle lane or not? And I mean, um, always keep in mind that people have spent probably months and months to plan it, uh, but also be critical. I mean, if you see a narrow road, a, a narrow street, but still there are three lanes of cars in there, you should probably uh, complain about it or try to change it if you're against it. And uh, and I, I think, I mean, one of the most important things is that actual citizens will, will learn about urban planning or city designing, so they will be able to, to influence those decisions and not just accept them as uh, coming from, from above. Wow, that's a really good point. So we, we can influence our own cities. We can get in touch with our city hall and try to try to make these changes. Yeah, I mean, knowledge is the best way. I mean, if you come and if you're well, I mean, educated enough about those topics, uh, professionals won't be able to to just put you off by saying, "Oh no, you don't get it." It's it's not uh, it's not rocket science. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I'm just gonna go to my city hall and be like, "Look, Lior told me so. So you need to make more bicycles everywhere." I hope it will work. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Well, Lior, thank you so much for coming on the show and for doing well, this in such different time zones and everything. I really appreciate everything that you taught us. Yeah, and great for, for inviting me, and I will keep listening to, to your podcast. It's really, really great. Hey, everyone. It's Blake. I hope you all enjoyed the episode with Lior and learned something new about the city that you live in. If you did enjoy the episode, I would appreciate it so much if you left a review for Half Hour Intern on iTunes. Just search for the show title and click Write a Review, and uh, you can leave a review from there. I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much, guys. Take care.